Good Thursday afternoon. Welcome to a football show brought to you by Sinkers Beverages. Oh, is it ever brought to you by Sinkers Beverages? In the Kingston Group, of course, buildkg.com. We've got a lot of stuff to do today. Football practice and free stuff, Zach. We had a real football practice with virtually an entire roster, minus, I don't know, like 12 dudes. Uh, Lots of stuff to discuss, of course, on the pod today, on the show today. If you want to jump into the comments, please do. If you want to ask any questions about practice, I will do the best to answer them the best I can. The best I'm allowed to, I suppose. Um, But a whole lot of stuff. Players were absent. Um, One singular player was the best player on the practice field. How about that? We'll, We'll tell you about that. Uh, There was a noticeable difference in tone and style from a few different coaches on the practice field, which I want to get your thoughts on, Zach. Uh, I had a chance to chat with Sean Murphy Bunting, brand new cornerback from the Tennessee Titans. I did this last year with a bunch of the new free agents. I'm fascinated with how people like integrate themselves into Mike Vrabel's world. (laughs) Like, Like it's Mike Vrabel's world. And I know you and Mike talk about this on F Words. Uh, just sort of him being more of a, a, a people manager and a CEO and maybe a teacher and more of like a a, a dean rather than like a, a graduate assistant. Uh, you know, like he's kind of just growing his role. And so I wanted to talk about culture and communication and style. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, also a very large personality on the practice field as well. So you'll hear from him. Um, some offensive line receiving core stuff, lots of practice observations. Uh, some stuff from F words that we're going to reiterate uh, here on the pod as well. So Zach, how are you, sir? What is going on, my man? Hey, I'm ready for the weekend. That's that's I'm <laughs> just I'm just working for the weekend. All right. So Kingston Group. Before we get before we get to any of that, we've got a major. It's not really an announcement, and it's not Kingston Group is great. Go to go to Kingston Group. Buildkg.com. You guys know the drill. Locally owned. Have any major decisions to make about your house? Go to the Kingston Group. Talk to them first. Make sure you talk it through. They'll help you make a decision. Okay, you guys know the deal. But here's here's the thing. Sinker's Beverages, it, there's a reason they're the number one liquor store in Tennessee. Uh, in, in in Nashville, I should say. You got Bluegrass up in Hendersonville, their sister store. So they're technically, I think they're by default also number one as well in Hendersonville, I think. So here's what they're going to do for you. I I don't think it's hyperbole, Zach, to say that this is the best sports talk giveaway in the history of sports talk. I can definitely guarantee it's the best one in Nashville and the best one of any establishment that puts out a podcast. (laughs) Or any radio show, I would would say. I I would have to say it's way way up there, if not the best. You know, it's like top three. So I I also have some... So guys listening... You wonderful men and women listening. Zach's going to learn something here in real time, too. And I wanted to save it for for Zach just to make sure we could all see his face in reaction to this. Sinker's Beverages in a couple of weeks is going to be going up to the Wild Turkey Distillery and picking out the Russell's Barrel Pick for the year. You know, liquor stores go up. They go to their liquor stores. They go to the distilleries and they get to hand, hand taste I guess mouth taste. I don't know what the right phrase is mouth taste. They get to hand select their barrel pick happens all the time, right? Every liquor store does it. No other liquor store is going to take you with them on the trip. Two of you are going to go with sinkers beverages to wild Turkey on a party bus to hand select their Russell's reserve barrel pick for the year. And you know who else is going to go? Finally, Zach Zach Lyons, (laughs) Zach Lyons is going. I am getting to go as well. And two of you are going to get to go. Now, the minimum requirements to earn this prize. You have to sign up for the in crowd. You got to go into sinker, sign up for the in crowd. You got to be in their system. If you're not in their system as an in crowd member, uh, that's it. I'm sorry. You you, you can't go on a trip to a distillery with them on a party bus. Come on. Then we need to see some reviews. We need to see some photos, some evidence that you are shopping there and listening to the show and supporting the show. Just tune in on Mon- Tune in next week, next Thursday, and we will tell you exactly how we're going to pick the two people, very special people on the show. But I would suggest between now and Thursday, going to Sinkers, going to Sinkers Beverages, signing up for the in crowd, and making sure that you write a review about this year's podcast. 
And, and let I'm me just, say this in the podcast descriptions for all the episodes since Sinkers has become a uh, an, a uh, sponsor, every YouTube video, every Facebook video has the link to Sinkers Beverages. It's so easy to first off go to YouTube and click on you. Hell, this video has it. You can click on the link right now and go sign up as you're hearing this voice or fucking Google it. <laughs> I had to get in my DMs yesterday and say, hey, do they just go to the, uh, Can is there a website that they can go to to sign up for the in-crowd? Yeah, sinkersbeverages.com. Like, is it really that hard, people, for you to all to use Google and in America? I, I mean, honestly, I have never, I have never been as excited to get on a party bus and head up to a distillery and get to be, to watch the process unfold we're not driving, baby. <laughs> Literally, Sinker's Beverages is doing the driving for, for us. Uh, not a but party it's, bus. It's going to be a ton of fun. We'll get you that date. It's coming up in the middle of June, so it is fast. It is a couple of weeks away. Oh, it's uh, totally going to be when I have a fucking wedding to go to that I can't oh, get out of. No. I can already tell. I know it is. Oh, no. Please tell me it's not. <laughs> yeah, if it's, if it's close to Father's Day weekend, I ain't going to be able to go. Oh, shit. My wife told me not to do anything for Father's Day weekend. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> yeah. I'll be in Michigan. Uh, oh, man. We're going to have to I figure just that know that's what's going to be. We might have three tickets to give away. <laughs> there you go. You can take Mike with you, for, you know, for football and other F-words representation. There you go. With, with Bluegrass. Okay. So there you have it. Again, tune in next Thursday. We'll tell you how to give it away. But again, the, the two things you have to do, you have to write a review of the show and you have to be in, you have to be in the in crowd. So one of those two things you got or you got to do both of them. When you do those two things, you are entered into this contest. We'll tell you exactly how the winners will be selected. But two of you are going to be driven by sinkers on a party bus up to the distillery to hand select Russell's Reserve barrel pick this year for the liquor store. That's awesome. Dude. I mean, I don't know how how people aren't just going ahead and signing up right now because like it's 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 a free trip. With free booze, and you don't have to drive. Like it's yeah, it's yep. just this, it's just, it's just the perfect uh, perfect giveaway. Yep, up and back, and uh, a big old blast is what it's going to be. And listen, if you're out of town, you're like, well, you know, I don't know if I can really do that. Plan a weekend and get you a cheap hotel room and just drive down, fly really cheap. You know, find a Southwest flight really cheap, fly down. And just come. I mean, I, I if I was out of town, I would enter this contest. So I, I'm looking at this now. I believe, don't quote me on this, any of you. I believe it's a Monday, so we should be good. We should be good. Uh, but man, take Unless a day it's off. Monday, I'm flying back. <laughs> yeah, it is not might, good. And then you're right. Okay. All right. Let's get into this. Again, we're going to hear from Sean Murphy Bunting in just a, in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about the best player on the practice field, which I thought was very clear. Uh, their offensive line strategy, their receiving core strategy, second-year players, free agents, um, the new scheme, everything like that. But I know you guys talked a lot about this on Football and Other Efforts. Make sure you go check out that podcast, of course. Uh, but Caleb Farley, Dylan Radens, Harold Landry, Trayvon Wesco, Sam OK, that's your boy, uh, Kevin Byer, Danico Autry, Monty Rice, and Christian Fulton, all not there. A lot of there. people that needed to be there. <laughs> all not there. Now, some for very different reasons, many of those guys dealing with injuries and, and a big chunk of them dealing with injuries. Bonnie um, Rice I, sneezed and threw his back out. Apparently. Uh, and at, at one point during a three linebacker set, I'm not sure anyone recognized two of them that were out there. Uh, well, they, but, it was, they probably looked the same. Those frat guys tend to look the same <laughs> with their popped collars and flip yeah. cups. Come on. It was, it was lax bros. It was not frat guys. Okay. Uh, but I think Bayard and Fulton were, were the big two to discuss. And again, F words for a longer conversation about this, but I wanted to get your thoughts. The two different reasons Bayard, obviously we know the contention that's going on with the contract. You and I have said many times, we think they should extend him. He is young enough to still be valuable to this team. He is still a critical piece of the of the defense and the community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Leadership, face of the franchise, still worth the money. Maybe not nineteen million, but still worth the contract extension. Uh, Christian Fulton is in this other weird place in this no man's land. What did you make of those two? Those are the big ones. I mean, Fulton's just an idiot at this point. I mean, he's not doing anything to help himself and endear himself to the head coach that holds the fate in his hands and like. 
you're doing yoga and Pilates down in Miami. Sounds like you're doing a little bit more than yoga and Pilates down in Miami because you can do yoga and Pilates in Nashville because there's one on every fucking quarter. There's, I mean, that's it's yoga that's and true. Pilates. This isn't like yoga and Pilates capital of the world over here. You go to the Gulch. It's like there's like one every other building is a yoga or Pilates so, studio. So, you throw so, some pure bar in there too. That's why I don't go to the Gulch. I mean, it's ridiculous that he, that's this is his big strategy. I'm glad that he's taking a different approach to the offseason, but to do what you can do here away from the facilities and miss OTAs, even though you could supplement OTAs with that stuff that you can do in Nashville in a contract year, in a year where you've already been called out by your coach twice, and maybe that's why he's a little thin-skinned and he can't show up for practice, you're not going to be here. It's just idiocy. It's just idiotic. I could, I'm not surprised at this point. I, I, you know, I talked about, you know, Christian Fulton and Monty Rice and these guys that need to have good off seasons and have a good start to the off season. And a, b- a bunch of the guys I named didn't even show up to a fucking practice. All right. L- let me ask you a couple dynamics here. How, how much do we think? Cause we know Mike Rabel and Kevin Byard are in communication. We know KB's talking to the rest of the guys on the team. Jeffrey Simmons has said as much. We, we know he that said, I assume he said that he's in a gr- let's be very clear what Jeffrey Simmons said. He's in a group chat and I assume he's doing like what I did last year and talking to the guys. And he never came out and really said, yes, I have talked to Kevin Byard or yes, Kevin Byard's talking to all the guys. He says that he's in a group chat, which but, but I'm in my, many group chats that I ignore. My, my point, my point being is neither are here. Both are dealing with, I would assume, there's contract connections to, to both of their absences. Um, but they have very different relationships with the head coach. Like, Kevin Byard is not, every time Mike Gribble talks about Kevin Byard, it's glowing. Every time he talks about Christian Fulton, eh, not so much. Quite the opposite. Kevin Byard is around. He lives here. He's in the area. He's at the golf tournament with Mike Vrabel. Christian Fulton is not. So I'm just curious how much, can commu- like, a text message can still solve the problem of him not being here. A, a phone call can still solve the problem of him not being here. How much do we think Mike Vrabel actually cares? Uh, I think he does personally. I think he cares. I think he wants every player at OTAs. Now, I, think I mean, he's, I, I would I think agree. Every every coach does. I mean, every coach wants him, but specifically this year. And we'll talk about Chris Harris, and we'll talk about Sean Murphy Bunting, and we're going to talk about a bunch of new people. But they're almost all exclusively like a lot of these new people are starters on the defense and you're missing two of the probably top five, top six most important starters to learn some new communication styles to to gel with important pieces, new important pieces of this defense. And they're nowhere to be found. And and this idea, I'm not saying that it's like five alarm pull the you know defcon one you know got the nuclear briefcase open you got both keys in and you're about to turn kind of panic time it is but there should be some level of concern you can't keep pushing off the concern if if you everybody's like well we'll just wait on kevin byard you know we'll see if he shows up to ots oh he didn't show up to ots eh, we'll just see what happens at mini camp and what happens if he does show up to mini camp oh, we'll we'll see what happens at training camp or we'll see what happens at preseason or we'll see this is the time to start having actual concern because there is documented proof people on twitter in articles at the titans website he was at OTAs last year. This idea that he wasn't at OTAs last year is just mind-numbingly stupid. He may have missed certain practices and wasn't there all the time. But, like, he was literally mic'd up last year. There's video and audio proof of Tom, Kevin Byard there. So do not fall into this trap. That is no big deal. He wasn't. He missed some last year, too. So, Sobro says Monty Rice was due for a bigger role. You get your chance and you don't show up. That's bad. Look for him. He is there. He, Monty Rice is there. He's working on his injury inside, yeah, he, but not any better he's than there. he's injured. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he somehow got injured. You know. Uh, yeah. In so, so I have a I have a slightly different take on this. Um, I I I agree with everything you're saying about Christian Fulton, a player who's been who's not in town, who's not around, who's not even close to the facility. We have no idea how much communication they're having, who is vying for his first real contract, big contract in the NFL, and is trying to prove that he belongs on the team while also having been called out by the coach multiple times. 
to me, that's a totally different psychological relationship and dynamic than Kevin Byard, who, frankly, if they figured out the relationship, and we'll get to Monty Rice in a second, who figured out the relationship, like literally the very next second, everything is perfect. Like he, he, there's no questioning Kevin Byard's ability. There's no questioning his role on the team. There's no questioning what what he is in like Mike Vrabel has, if I'm Mike Vrabel, I have no concern about Kevin Byard not being there, honestly, because if Danico Autry doesn't need to be there, neither does Kevin Byard. Like if Derrick Henry doesn't have to be there, which he was, then, then I don't like, I don't think Kevin Byard is not, it has no impact on his performance on the field in week one, in my opinion, no, but it has, a, it has an impact there. on where you're at in negotiations. So to me, it's, a ta- it's just, it's all, it's all just part of the process to me. It's tactical. Well, it is, but this is sides. a different, this is a different tactical, this maybe you could call it a tactical error or misstep that they asked him to take a pay cut, but asking him to take a pay cut and having no resolution since then so far and not showing up. Yeah, it could be tactical, but they're also not going to negotiate out in public, out in the media. So we don't really know if it's just tactics or if there is actual discontent with Kevin Byer because he's pissed off that they did. The only resolution is a pay cut. <laughs> yeah, no, right. for, uh, the only positive resolution right. is an extension. If you if if Kevin Byard is going to play or show up based on what they have said, it's going to require an extension. And sure, everybody's happy when there's an extension because the player got paid and the coach gets a, a figure piece back, you know, a very important piece for his defense back. Sure, everybody's happy then. But that does not seem right now well, like it's coming anytime soon. No, and maybe you're right. I'm just not worried if it doesn't come soon. I'm worried. And I think I mean, when I'm, do you officially start getting worried? Week one when he's not on the field. I don't care. I don't care if he's at training. Okay, camp. well then I listen, don't I don't want to hear anything from anybody. Let's just say this this plays out. And this defense doesn't looks disjointed, lack of communication. I don't want to hear anything from you. You cannot complain about the defense. <laughs> because <laughs> okay, Kevin, right. it's Kevin Byard's fault. So you cannot right, complain. Okay, about the okay, okay. All right. Well, there's ten other dudes and a whole coaching staff and like a backup. He, it's a but backup, he's in so. a he's an important piece and he's one of the leaders, and we have seen in 2021, 2020, that was the year that I'm trying to remember the year. We've he had seen, like one bad year. He had one bad year. He's had last year was an okay year, right. uh, very C plus effort. Uh, but F, it was an F minus or something back in uh, when the third down defense sucked. It was historically bad. He was one of the main issues for that, but there was a lack of communication and there was a lack of uh, chemistry. I, this will affect that. And the sooner he can get in there, the better that everybody can get on the same page with all these new pieces. I thought that was all like the Vrabel, Shane Bowen, weird nonsense. So uh, listen, I, I, I think for Kenneth, I think it's a big, <laughs> I think it's a big story. First of all, Kenneth, great callback. I think it's a big story. If he misses mandatory minicamp, I'll upgrade it to four Jim Wyatt's. I don't think that applies to this, but I do love the reference. It's a fantastic reference. Uh, I, I that's, that's fair. Like the longer it goes, the more I'm concerned. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, the part story, of the equation, it's, but... it's, was it not a big story when he was asked to take a pay cut? Cause the story to, for me has maintained the same level since he was asked to take a pay cut. Yes. So it's just... been, it's still one continuing big story. This idea that there is yes. no, this is not a new big story. This is like, um, this is episode five. This is the empire strikes back. It's all one big story. It's more like a TV series. They're like 30 yeah. minute episodes. I, here's what I would say. I just think it's like a black or white issue though. It's like all or nothing. Like it's either a, a giant, huge contentious story. And then the second it's not, it's not. And it's a perfectly happy world because there's no like middle ground. And here's the problem for Unless both sides. <laughs> here's the problem for both sides. Like if the Titans, like they're not, they can't cut him and walk away from him because it's too much money. They're not going to trade him because it makes their team way worse. And Kevin Byers not going to sit out. Like so, like there's going to be idea that they can't trade him or cut him is is not right. I think there's going to be both. My my point. Well, that'd be dumb. My point is, is that I I mean, I agree, but I mean, this idea that these are real possibilities that we cannot wash aside just because we love Kevin Byard and think it's stupid. I also think it's stupid to go in with Chris Moore and NWI as (laughs) integral parts of this offense. Doesn't stop them from doing it. 
All right. Well, that, that's a perfect way, perfect time for us to move on because I do want to ask you about, and I know you and Mike spent a lot of time on this on F-Word. So again, go check it out, stackingtheinbox.com as well. Um, the whole Earnhardt Perkins thing, which is like an old 70s style, um, Ron Earnhardt and Ray Perkins put together this sort of conce- offensive verbiage and conceptual stuff. Uh, do you, here's the question. Do you want me to save? Because I know you and Mike spent a lot of time on that on F-Words. I want people to go listen to that fuller conversation. But some of the things that we saw at camp can tie into that. Do you want me to save some of that? Or do you want to talk to Sean? Let's, just, let's, let's Sean save Murphy it and we'll, right. we'll, we'll take a break. We'll, we'll save it because I think there's some really interesting stuff that we've already seen. And I think it's going to change the way people look at the personnel on the roster when it comes to that offense more than anything else. So uh, we'll do that coming up in just a second. Kingston Group and Sinkers, of course, are two amazing and wonderful and awesome sponsors. BuildKG.com, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Make sure you give them a call before you make any big decisions about your house. I've said it a thousand times on the show. They are here to help you. They are fantastic people that are here to help you. Don't do anything with your house. Custom builds, additions, renovations, buying, selling, no matter what. Just talk to them first. They'll take care of it. Keep that name in the back of your mind. And Sinker's Beverages, I giving out the best prizes in the history of Sports Talk Nashville. I don't know. I don't know what else awesome. to say. <laughs> join the in crowd. That's all you got to do. Click yeah. the link, join the in crowd. Uh, you can also search Uber Eats. Uh, and they'll deliver the booze right to your house. Hey, they'll drive so you could drink. God, we're getting good at this. <laughs> we're getting good at this. Okay, uh, coming off the practice field, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting. I'm fascinated with the new players being integrated into the offense. He did a ton of work after practice with a bunch of the guys in the secondary, unlike Kevin Byard. Did a bunch of extra work with the guys in the secondary, and I had a chance to catch up with them after practice and talk to them about communication, culture and his integration into Mike Brable's locker room. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just very open communication. You know, it's uh, everybody's on the same page. Dialogue is there. If you have questions, you can ask questions without feeling like uh, you're under scrutiny for asking that question. There's no such thing as a dumb question here. So it's really just um, the culture. They're, they're building um, a foundation. That foundation is just everybody being on the same page, being accountable, um, putting that work in and doing what they have to do to be successful for the team everybody's success is team success and so i'm um, just harping on that is that is that different than i know you mentioned that earlier that's different than what's going on around the league or is that pretty standard or does that make mike and his staff unique i think every team is different depending on you know the the head coach and what they do and what they believe in um and i'm just speaking solely on you know what coach rabel does here in, in in tennessee and i think that it's just it works you know what he does works and if everybody buys in um, you can tell that it's, it is working and everybody's on the same page. You see, all, all this new class of free agents seem to have personality. Mm-hmm. You, you bring a lot of energy on the practice field. Is that something you pride yourself on? Absolutely. I mean, I pride myself on being me all the time, you know, whether that's bringing energy, whether that's being a motivational, being a quiet. It doesn't really matter. You know, I just show up, um, get my work in every day and, and bring the guys around me, make them better, and just try to, uh, like I said, be on the same page with everybody and just motivate everybody in a way that I know how, and that's just being me. So I, a couple of things, we'll get to the, the practice because he was very vocal during the practice, as was Arden Key, as was Aziz Alshagir, as you know, all these new guys have some things in common, um, which we've talked about. But I'm always just I'm just fascinated. And I know you guys, again, touched on it a little bit on F words. I'm, I'm just fascinated with why Mike Vrabel works as a teacher, why he works as a communicator. I'm fascinated by sports psychology. I'm fascinated by college coaches who actually talk to their players. Heaven forbid. Oh, my God. Um, and how it's successful. I, I just, there's something different about what Rabel does and how he approaches it. And I, I, I think you can hear Sean talking about it there that Austin Hooper gave me basically the same answer last year at the same time. Hey, you come in, you can talk about anything you want to, but your job is your job and you got to do it. And that's the expectation. And I think Sean brought a ton of energy on the practice field. I'll say that. Well, I think that's why Adoree Jackson didn't mesh well with, with Mike Vrabel is because even though Mike Vrabel is a very approachable guy, he dem- he has high demands and expectations out of his his players because I to me the way that I view Vrabel is that he views them as men and people, then views them as players. But he also it to me it's like his teaching style is very symbi- uh kind of like a symbiotic process. There, it's like. Yeah, he views them as men and people first, and then then the player. But making you a better player means that you're going to be a better man, and making making you a better man is going to be a better player, and it's going to show up on the field. And you have to be open to the way he coaches and leads. And if you are not open to that, 
like a Dory Jackson, like Christian Fulton, kind of similar kind of vibes I've been getting from them. If you're not one of those guys that responds well, that bonds well, that wants to buy in, they're going to leave you behind. And that has been the story since he got here, right? When he first got here, he said, because the big question was, oh, well, you know, it's a young team and, you know, who's the leaders and, you know, what leaders, blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God. That was a whole year of, of Paul Kaharski trying to investigate who is going to be a leader on this team. And Vrabel kept saying the same thing. I am the leader. <laughs> I am now, the captain now. <laughs> yeah, I am the captain. And But what he means by that is he's not going to force people into roles that don't want them. And you have to step up in a certain role. You have to step up by in to be on this team. And for this team to be successful, they need 22 players at minimum to do that every Sunday. And they brought in guys who... It was a kind of a cliche that we poked fun at because John Robinson always said the same thing, but Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel said, we want guys that love football. This is what that looks like. This isn't Jadavian Clowney and Julio Jones. I'm not saying they yeah. don't love football, but they don't love everything that goes into football. Julio Jones does not love practice. Jadavian Clowney does not love off-season activities. That showed up when it came time to butting heads with Mike Vrabel and why those players aren't there, which is, you know, very odd between the Jadavian Clowney thing. But, yeah, you know, it, it, that's what it is. And and it works. Just got to find the players that buy in. And when the players buy in, it works. It shows every time this team wins close games, toss-up games, because everybody's bought in. Well, I mean, I think I think all the, the 49ers were, I think, was it also Aziz Al-Shayir said, like, we came in here to Nashville a couple of years ago on a Thursday night, and they were they had none of their dudes healthy, and they still whipped us. And we were like, uh, how "That the was hell? that was Brunskill. That, that was Brunskill twenty twenty one season." And he's like, "How they, the hell?" That was when Dylan Raiden's uh, made Nick Bosa <laughs> switch sides. And it's like, how did how did they do that to us? How did they beat us? Well, it's the buy in, and and it's yeah. accountability. And I know we can kind of say all these things, and they become cliches pretty quickly when we're like, "No, it's about teaching individual and catering your message to the player and understanding the human." Because the better the human is, and the better the player is, and the better the relationship is, and like that's a lot of cliches. But like, my wife's in a leadership role on a lot of people with a lot of people. They, there's a lot of psychology involved. It's almost all psychology when it comes. Sure, you can teach how to dip and, and power rush and you can teach how to kick kick out of your pro style set and you can do all that stuff too but all these players are very 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 gifted all these guys and so the margins are are a lot of times very much mental and so i i think how he approaches all of it is interesting it's very nick saban is is like this too there's a very high threshold threshold of trust it, but once you get to that threshold of trust variable lets you do your job doesn't mean he stops coaching, but like you have to earn this up here. It's like kind of why I'm not as concerned about Bayer. Not I don't want to go back to Bayer, but like Vrabel on the field trusts Bayer to know everything he needs to know, and therefore he lets him do his job, right? Like that. That's but you have to get to that certain point to before it becomes like acceptable. And every new player I've talked to since starting to cover this team that comes in and sort of gets to know how it's done here, it's just like do your job or get the fuck out. <laughs> like that. That's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is why I don't bet against Vrabel for the most part, unless the team is just decimated by injuries. It's, it's because he he won coach of the year for a reason. Right. And he won coach of the year breaking a injury record that he almost broke the second year for the second year in a row. And he's just a damn good coach. Yeah. And yeah, I and agree. I think this idea that he can't take this current iteration of the team at full health full strength mind you two double digit wins or more wins than last year is ridiculous this is not a worse team than week two in buffalo now listen week two in buffalo they got <laughs> decimated but that was about the healthiest that was yeah. the version you saw for the majority of the year was that team yeah. um yeah. this Can is a better version of that I, I agree. Kenneth says I, uh, the way I see variable is, is as a manager and a teacher of technique, but his coordinators he's hands off with and lets his coordinators sink or swim on their own. I think that's probably a fair. Uh, well, assessment. yeah, I talked about that on Monday, right? I mean, yeah. I said when I talked about 
whether he should have let T- Todd Downing and Keith Carter make decisions. I don't agree that he should. He should have been probably more involved. But I, you're right. There is a well. Keith, there is a level of trust, like you say, and and he has a level of loyalty and trust that, while can prove to be a good thing does not have a 100% success right. rate. It does not mean that yeah. everything is going to be crumbled because he gives trust out. And that's it's, not it's, what Kenneth is saying. I'm just right, right, right. elaborating it's almost, on the point. It's almost harder to like explain and showcase and show the good side of what we're talking about yeah. because it's like all in the it's literally like in the brain synapses and the, and the relationships and the communication that that no one ever sees. But like the easy thing to do is show the opposite side, which is Keith Carter. Right. Which is a guy that says like, nope, this is how we're doing it. I don't care who you are. I don't care how how you learn. I don't what you. I don't care what your personality test told me or your enneagram. Don't give a shit about any of that stuff. This is how you're going to learn, and it doesn't work. That's not. And now how you got good- these new coaches in, like Coach Haas and Chris Harris, that obviously have different coaching styles, and these styles are going to mesh more with the Vrabel um, uh, company culture. Which leads us to one of the most notable, so noticeable differences, easy for me to say, on the practice field on Tuesday. One of the most noticeable differences, and I'll get to who I thought that was the best player, which was clearly one player, um, and some of the other second-year players and the free agents. But the, the, one of the most noticeable differences were, were, was the Rand Carthon, Tim Kelly, Chris Harris combination. Chris Harris was the loudest dude at practice on every rep. He is back way behind the defense. He, he is screaming and yelling. He's getting his guys going. It is pure energy, pure leadership, pure excitement. Like, never have I seen that before on, on a practice field at, at, at St. Thomas. Man, I, bet, I bet Kevin Byard and uh, Christian Fulton would really love to to be a part of that if they weren't, you know, not there. Well, I thought the, the starting four played pretty well in the secondary. Um, it will not be the starting four, <laughs> to your point. I don't know. Everybody's um, like, oh, Elijah Molden's going to replace Kevin Byard. No, I'm no, like, no. okay, whatever. If he gets hurt, maybe, but that's about yeah. it. The, but the, we'll get to that, because I do. I did think the secondary looked pretty good. I, they, they played really well. Chris Harris is all juice, man. It is all juice. Opposite of that, the guy whose voice you used to hear all the time last year on every practice rep and every team drill and seven-on-seven seven and red zone drill, Todd Downing, Tim Kelly, the exact opposite. Tim Kelly is having conversations with people that no one else can hear. There's no yelling. There's no screaming. It doesn't sound like a high school football practice. It is very like Chris Harris is bringing energy and setting tempo, which I'm good with on defense, especially in in with as you're getting acclimated as a first year coach in a new organization. Tim Kelly, analytical, cerebral, conversational, quiet, uh, and no GM twirling twirling his whistle around walking on the practice field five feet away from every drill with a big chaw in his mouth that ain't how Rand carthon operates he is hey, that, way- that guy's down in tampa bay doing the same thing <laughs> Rand carthon is way over on the corner over by himself just kind of just watching from a distance doesn't say a word it, it, literally in the, in the titans uh video youtube thing they're doing or whatever one of my favorite moments is he's like sometimes i just sit in the quiet and think. And I'm like, Oh my God, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> like, thank, thank God. Cause that's, I think all humans need that honestly. And I actually had a chance to, to, to chat with him for a second there. As people were coming off the field, I was like, dude, sitting and thinking pretty good, huh? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, we all need to, we all should do more of it. He's just so far away from everything. He's going to go up and watch the film. He's going to go up and study the tape with his scouts and his departments and he's going to let the coaches do their job and not pretend he's somebody else. So it's very different vibe on the practice field for offense, defense, and general manager. That was one of the most noticeable things that I that I picked up on. I don't know if that means they're going to be great. I don't know. Well, I, I think it's a good sign, right? I mean, like, when's the last time we ever had a segment on any show that you can remember hearing, not just us, but football under the F-words or 102.5, 104.5, where they even t- ever talked about Anthony Midget. And yeah, that's true. That's a, you know, that's a, a sometimes a good thing that you're never talking about your position coach. But especially the offensive line. <laughs> but Chris Harris is a high profile hire. I know yeah. that he's just a defensive backs coach and defensive passing game coordinator. He's not a, co- a defensive coordinator, but he is a high profile hire among the NFL. So this is an important hire that. 
many of us have talked about over the uh, uh, over the offseason so far and to see what everybody else has seen. Like when he got hired over here from the commanders, their fan base was just distraught. Yeah. And that is a good sign that you got someone good. Like they are just sad, distraught. And everybody knows that this guy is a future defensive coordinator, whether it's here, whether Tennessee Titans for the Tennessee Titans or whether it's somewhere else, Chris Harris, his career trajectory is only pointing up, which means he's an excellent fucking coach. And I'm not surprised that, he has this. He's a former player, so I'm not surprised he has this energy. He has this big presence on the field, and you and I think it is exactly what the defensive back room needs. That that position group needs, especially with Sean Murphy bunting. So now you have Sean Murphy bunting and him getting Elijah Molden, Amani Hooker, Trey Avery, these guys that are there, hyped up and ready to go because these guys needed that. They were one of the worst units last year. So they need they need to be high energy. They need to be pumped up. This is very important. And, and they made a bunch of plays. I think the personalities fit. Uh, Roger McCreary made a bunch of big plays. Uh, Sean Murphy got got beat by racing on one out route, but that was a real fast pass. Well, um, I, have, I did hear Racing McMath is running. <laughs> I, 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 just, thoughts- I just find that to be the. I just find that to be like one of the. The, the tropes of the Racy McMath era of the Tennessee Titans. Like, hey, that guy, he's out there running. <laughs> I, I do not, I do not like n- nothing I have ever said about a college or pro football player or hockey player or anybody I've ever covered has ever been personal. But Racy McMath has not changed at all since the first day he practiced as a rookie. And that's a problem. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second because I, 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 there's two, there's a bunch of different stuff. There are a bunch of different things I want to get to because some of this is the, the Tim Kelly offensive verbiage and style and the tempo and the speed and some of the changes they're making to simplify and make it all uh, uh, again we'll, we'll get into sort of all the different parts of this but the the number one best player on the practice field one might even say zach this person is extra motivated by far the best player on the field not even close was ryan Tannehill. not even close I, like zip on time Chig Burks doesn't matter who he was throwing to. It was in the right spot. It was in rhythm. The dude, like every single, like I think he completed his first like nine passes. Like it, he, they were tight spirals. They were exactly perfectly placed. So if it's about the system, if it's about his motivation, if it's about being healthy, probably all true and combined into this. The sharpest dude on the practice field was Ryan Tannehill. Not even close. You know, a lot of people um, have talked about. You know, well, it's just it's just camp, and it doesn't really matter. Let let me say something about it matters for a player like Ryan Tannehill for whatever reason. It's inexplicable. It is so inexplicable because if you remember heading into the 2021 season, he was throwing interceptions. He didn't look that crisp. He kind of looked okay, pedestrian. Like was it Todd Downing? Was it adjusting to him? But he looked pretty pedestrian and he had a lot of turnovers in camp and what he do he went on to put up one of his worst seasons had a lot of turnovers had three interceptions in a playoff game last year he was a totally new person right i mean like well he was like 2020 Tannehill. he came in he was sharp he was crisp he wasn't turning the ball over he was full of energy he was pumped up ready to go you i think we even talked about on here you noticed how more vocal he was and he turns around and puts in a was trending for a very good season. And if not been for his injury, this team and, would and, and the O and, and the O line. I mean, yeah. let's, let's be honest. right. But I mean, like this team would have been in the playoffs even with the bad O line because I mean they would have won the Chiefs game and they probably would have won the Chargers game. You know, because those were games one he wasn't in, one he got he was close in. They would have won the last Jaguars game. Jack, yeah. So Jack. you know, you're you're talking about that. This team would have been a a 10 win team last year and in the playoffs. So I don't, I don't want so to, it over- matters. this stuff. It's not, I'm trying not to overreact, but yeah, this is a good sign for Tannehill's outlook for this season. And what this team is just telling us is trying to do, which is trying to win games. So uh, I agree. I don't want to overreact, but it felt like a training camp performance of training camp practice with training camp prep and focus and sharpness in an OTA. So just take that for what it is. I mean, that that's all it is. Now, I will say this again: who has reason to be as motivated as anybody on the on the on the team? 
Ryan Tannehill. Who's affected the most by the change in the offensive system and scheme and schematics and verbiage? Ryan Tannehill. Who's looking and and Aaron Rodgers is is batshit crazy. But but one of the few things he's ever said out loud that I just wish more people just said out loud. Of course human beings are motivated by money. Yes. <laughs> like, like of course they are. It's a contract year for him basically. Like of course he is motivated. He he's had two years where he's not been himself for various reasons. Like I, I would be very concerned if he looked sloppy. <laughs> so it doesn't mean he's going to be great. It's just very clear that he knows where he's at. Like, this is a critical year, and it felt like a training camp practice. Now, I want to go into the Todd I'm, Todd, and the Todd Downing. I want to go into the Tim Kelly changes and the, con- the concepts and the tempo and the speed and the simplicity and the multiplicity because I, I, we can't talk about specifics of what I saw necessarily. But I think the big takeaway, and I know you and Mike talked a lot about this, on on F words with the uh, the Earhart Perkins sort of verbiage and style, which is concept left, concept right. Um, just imagine, you know, a smash route on with a with a with a stop. You know, a, uh, imagine a curl route with an in. Imagine an out route with a post. Just whatever route combination with two players potentially or three players on either side. It just the the thing to remember is that it doesn't have to be wide receivers <laughs> it's and it's not going to be wide receivers the guy running the smash route could be a running back could be a tight end could be a wide receiver the guy running the curl route could be a tight end could be a running back could be a receiver and i think that's what fans need to prepare for is the simplicity and the tempo and the quickness is great but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's just kyle phillips and Traylon burks running all those routes yeah there was an article at uh uh, the fan cited Sports Illustrated site, uh, All Titans or something like that, and that they were talking about you know be careful of thinking that Chig's going to get a lot of snaps, and it's because you know Trevon Wesco's replacing Jeff Swaim. Jeff Swaim had all the snaps, so where is he going to get his snaps? And I said, well, I'll look at it this way: Trevon Wesco in terms of snap count, Trevon Wesco equals Jeff Swaim. Josh Wiley equals Chig from twenty twenty two. Chig equals Austin Hooper plus the low win third wide receiver, fourth wide receiver on the team snap counts as well. Because of what you're saying, he's going to be on the field spread out as a wide receiver. He's going to be running different routes. He's going to be on the field a lot more than, say, your wide receiver four. Like he is going to be on the field eating up snaps. Because wouldn't you rather have instead of NWI, Chris Moore, Kyle Phillips, Traylon Burks? Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, Chiga Conquo, and throw in other guy. <laughs> you know, like yeah. wouldn't you want them three on the field at the same time as Ty J Spears? And that's what I think is going to happen. I think you're not going to see, you're not going to sit here wondering why, you know, in week three, I think we were all wondering why is Traylon Burks only got 30% snaps and why does, uh, Chig only had, I think even Austin Hooper at the time had both had less than 30% snaps. I just, it's not going to be the case anymore. So this is kind of a, this is maybe this is going back to the Tannehill thing for a second. I don't mean to do this, but it's packaged and it's all kind of works together here. So they they did a bunch of drills with two receiver routes, a lot of two receiver route drills where they're just working on you know against air, you know it, it's just combinations. And Will Levis missed on a bunch of them. He missed on a bunch of throws, and all of a sudden, they they the very last rep, they're like, no Tannehill and Chig, you go do it. And it was the best rep of the entire drill. And and it was one of those like play action, third and eight, long developing route. But like it's a good a, thing they're practicing third and eights because they'll probably be in that a lot. <laughs> but well, it was it's just one of those routes you would run on third and seven or third and eight. But it was a perfect play. After watching Will Levis like miss on these these crossing routes at about 15, crossing route at 15, kind of threw it into the dirt a few times, threw in a little too high, you know, and, and just watching, it was Tannehill and Chig, and it looked very different than Levis and the other guys. And so it's just one of those where you're going, oh, okay. And then we get into team, and it's like Tannehill to Burks, Tannehill to Chig, Tannehill to Chig, Tannehill to Burks, Tannehill to Spears, Tannehill to Burks. Tannehill. Like, it's it's going to be fun to watch. And now I will say, again, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but basically, and this will be the primary takeaway on the offensive line as well, it appears they have a settled pecking order. At, Which is what we've said all along, right? Like we've said that this is going to be the pecking order and it's 
I mean, you've seen the pitchers. I mean, so obviously the right side was already decided. The I guess no, no, no. Um, let's save save oh. offensive line. I'm talking receiving okay. core. Oh, okay. The 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 receiving package, which there's going to be some tweaks and changes, right? Like if they want to go extra receiver, it's Chris Moore. If they want to go extra running back, it's Tajay Spears. Like we know some of the the differences, but it does feel like they have a set collection of four pass catchers that are running as the top four pass catchers at all times. I'm not going to tell you where where positions and what where they lined up and can this, you at least but just you, tell us who. You you can absolutely tell who's wide receiver one on the team. I mean, Traylon Burks. I mean, obviously Traylon Burks and Chig, but who's who tight end one on the team? Okay, no, who who's your big wide receiver two? Big, uh, think think big. Uh, NWI. Okay, and then who's the guy that's the versatile guy that you run them all over the place? I guess Ty wide Spears. receiver. No, no wide, well, but I would say yeah. Tajay Spears would be number the Five. the fill in for that role, okay. right? When they yeah. want to play him out of the backfield or. So what it feels like is they've got four set pass catchers that are their top four set pass catchers. We'll get to the offensive line, but that also felt the same. Every time they're out there with Tannehill on the first team, it was kind of the same guys. It's it felt very set. Well, that uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a something that we've said needs to happen for this team. I mean, like I I I know we're we could just venture off into offensive line <laughs> as I go into this diatribe, but you know it just feels like. Everybody in on offense that needs to be there to learn this new system because it is a new system is there and they are there day one and they are healthy day one, week one. So this is a good thing for this team, whether you like the pieces that they have or not. <laughs> it does not matter. It didn't say I mean, they were going to be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody's saying they're going to be good, but at least they're going to be cohesive. Maybe they're all cohesively bad. Maybe they're, maybe, you know, I don't know, but at least they're all there learning. Right. I mean, like, you know, when they had Julio Jones and AJ Brown, it was like that they were messing around the offensive line. Julio Jones mispracticed AJ Brown's here, but then AJ Brown misses back to Sears Julio Jones and they, nobody could get on the same page and it showed up in 2021 now. And last year was like, they were messing around with the offensive line. They had a really bad offensive coordinator. So now you're kind of moving everything around and, and Elvin is, is, is saying something that I saw this morning on their show and, and on, he's speaking to A to Z and he said, they're saying that he looked awful and they alluded, they had some weird uh, questions they were asking. I only, I didn't watch the show. I just saw what they put on Twitter, but you mean, you they're mean the first drive. people. They're the first people I've heard that say that Burks did not look good at this practice. Well, you got to drive engagement and enragement somehow. Um, listen, Burks looked a little leaner, not by much, but a little leaner. Uh, he was excellent in team. Um, it, like they targeted him over the middle. Like they targeted him. Uh, like he looked great in team. He looked a little leaner. I, again, it's sort of like Levis. I don't think we can know anything more about Traylon Burks until he gets into a game and, it's act, and is actually healthy and excelling. So I, I, to me, he looks a little bit better in shape. And I, in fact, I think all the, all the second year players look better. Roger McCreary looks better. Uh, MPF looks a little bit better. I, I think Kyle Phillips looks a little bit bigger. I think he talked about it being a little bit thicker and bigger and stronger. Chig looks better and smarter and more confident. Like every single one of them look better. Um, and I don't want to put words into Austin or Zach's mouth. So I, I mean, I didn't see it, so I don't, I don't know, but if it was, wants to... I, I, I didn't, I didn't watch it, uh, but the, the way that they worded their tweets, I was like, just se seemed a little weird. I'd have to go back and find them. To, right. Right. To... So I don't want to, I don't want to speak to what they actually had to say yeah. in the content itself. I mean, you know, we, we all have to, we all have to, you know, tease you into the content somehow. Um, to me, I think, I think again, it's just an OTA, but I thought once they got into team, Everybody, again, exactly like you said, it doesn't mean that this group is going to be good, that they are going to excel and be even middle of the pack in the NFL. But it does feel like they they have their roles. They feel good about their roles. They all look better than last year at this time. And that they're sort of situated inside this new offense. And now they're just adding reps every day, getting better, knowing everything they need to know. Doesn't mean they're going to be great. Doesn't mean they're going to be good. Who knows? We got to see it in a game. I'm just glad that the offensive line is just set and it's set at the correct order that it we've said all along that it would be set at. And 
I so we so if you didn't listen to football and other words, we talked about what you said because you were the only person to come out and say it. And I think it's I I feel like it's kind of big news. Maybe I'm not and, allowed to. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. But you said it was it was Dillard Skaronsky from left to right. I, I did not. I did not say any of the names. <laughs> oh well, I said it. Well, it's the five that we thought, right? Like, and you said yes. So I, I'm I saying the names. Here's what I can say. Every single time they ran first-team reps along the offensive line, it was the exact same five players in the exact same five positions. And that is all that I actually care about. Like, I, again, don't know if it's going to be great or not. Don't know if it's going to work. Don't know if one guy's going to fit in one position or they're going to move it at some point. But for the entire practice, the first-team offensive line was the same five guys in the same five spots. And, and it and, looked like it carried over the day after you guys were there as well in videos. So... And that is a good thing in and it's of itself. Such a good thing. Yeah. Such such a good thing. Um, I, so I, I remember I remember looking over at someone and going, "Look at that! They got five starting offensive linemen in the in the starting spots." And everyone on the sidelines like, "Yeah, that that's a that's a change." <laughs> yeah. The uh, where is Jamarco Jones and uh, Jalen Duncan? Are they second team, third team, left side, right side, guard tackle? That's Surely the kind of you could say that, right? No, that's the kind of stuff you're not supposed to say. What? Uh, yeah, you're not supposed to say that so-and-so lined up. Like, the only reason we can talk about Elijah Molden playing safety is because it was volunteered and because he talked about it. It's yeah. n- it's it's kind of silly because it's an OTA and it doesn't really mean anything. Um, I, I, I would say that there's a – again, I just think there's a pretty clear line in the sand in that position group with mm. the five guys – and then everyone else is sort of like in this nebulous. Oh yeah, I didn't think any of those guys were starting. I was just kind of wondering yeah. where maybe um, were they moving Jalen Duncan all around, trying to find his fit in the second or third team. Was Jamarco <laughs> Jones? Did he get into any fights? Uh, this go around. <laughs> if if I was the offensive line coach for the Tennessee Titans, here's yes. what I would want to do. I would want to see Jalen Duncan grab like let's call it fourth string tackle mm-hmm. around the neck and just hold on to that position. Because you talked about it on F words with Mike, that Skaronsky is really probably the guy who's your Dennis Kelly swing. Should anything happen or should, should something not work out? He's the guy who can play all the positions if you need him to almost no matter what, except for maybe center, I guess he probably could play all five, all the other four positions. And he's going to be better than almost anybody else at those positions. So what you want from Duncan is with all that athleticism and a little bit of baby fat to like, just, just clearly be the most talented guy at at either tackle position and have him be the depth piece, the piece that makes the team. And he, I, I would say just look at, again, I, I, Jamarco Jones has never not to be all racy McMath here, but like has just never looked the part. It just, it just doesn't. Like Jordan Roos looks the part sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Corey Levin looks the part sometimes and Jamarco Jones just kind of never has. Um, and that's maybe not fair to him, but like, I don't know. Have you ever seen him look the part? It, it, so I wasn't sold on him at all. <laughs> I mean, like, I just, I yeah. basically said he's yeah. Kendall Lambs, which is basically I, sloppy fart, which is basically, see, that's you, where you, that's where you I make mean, it. Per, that's where you make it personal. Zach. Well, no, that's Bobby Hart, Bobby Hart. I just call him sloppy. Fart. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but again, I think having a their their offense feels set at almost every it. at almost every position. Truly, like quarterback, running back, tight ends, offensive line, receiving core. It feels like if you, the fan, just guessed at the starting eleven based on whatever formation they were running, whether it's 11, 12, 21, 13, whatever personnel, you could probably get it right. And that is not a position I I have felt that this team has been in at this stage of the offseason in a while. Yeah, I mean, it has always felt like it's been some big uh, science experiment every offseason. And I'm just I'm thrilled to hear it because it just is another feather in the cap. Or oh, shut up. For the old Zach Lyons is always right, and this team is going to win ten games. Well, you know, see, there's there's where you lose me and everyone else because you are right. It is better that they are like this. It yes. has it does not mean a single stinking stinking thing about wins and losses because they may not be good enough at any of those positions. I think they'll be good enough to get that because then you go back to Mike Vrabel. 
Uh, let me throw uh, two quick special teams notes at you because somebody asked about catching punts. Did anyone catch any punts? The new rule on the kickoff actually helps the Titans because yes. the Titans <laughs> because the Titans suck so bad at returning things. The fact that no one gets to return anything now actually levels the playing field for the Titans. That's number one. No, and a lot of people in the media were talking about that. Uh, shout out Teresa Walker. She, her, and I were walking around talking about that. Number two, I, <laughs> I don't know if it's pure hubris, but. I just think Mike Vrabel and now I guess Rand Carthon along with John Robinson before that, I just think that they, they, they are just smarter than everybody else when it comes to place kicker. Like, I, I think that they just think that they can just outsmart the entire NFL and, and like, no, we're just going to find Ryan Stonehouses all over the place and, and never truly address the issue. And maybe they, maybe Shudak is the guy. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, weren't they pretty good at, uh, Oh, Sure. I think that's the thing that everybody's kind of blowing up. I was thinking about this today, actually. Um, Draft a kicker in the sixth round. I, 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 I agree with that sentiment. But at this point, at this point, why spend money on a kicker until you know and see enough from two guys you barely seen anything from? Mm. Here's your competition for now. It does not mean that stays your competition the whole offseason. Now, it could, and then I'm with you, hubris and all that. But right now, it just seems like strategically, let these guys duke it out for these OTAs, see what you got, and then between the OTAs and training camp, bring in a guy if you're not feeling good about it. No, So what we were talking about and on the sidelines, and, and it's you're right, it's less about this particular year and this strategy. You know, go get McManus versus let these guys battle it out. It's less about this year. It's more about their, like, entire – Mike Rabel's entire philosophy. And, and I position. agree with with everything that you guys are saying. I'm just saying right now – You're right. You're right. Right so, now, does like, everybody's uh, – see right here, Music City Miracles. Titans missed opportunity to sign kicker Brandon McManus, who was – Pretty much Randy Bullock, but just you know at high altitude. So like, you know, it, well, to so, me it's, it's I like yeah, so bring in Robbie Gold though. Like bring in okay, Robbie Gold. Okay. You have a connection with Robbie Gold. This should be all in. And I'd be fine with Riley. Pa I'd be fine with them bringing in a kicker. But I kind of understand why they're not doing it right now. I don't I understand just, why they didn't do it earlier, and I won't understand why they do it later. But that's right my now, it, that's my know. issue. That's that's my issue. The Niners yeah. took Jake Moody in the third round. That's a little too early. Right. The, the, the Patriots, but he is by far the best kicker in college football the last two years. Uh, Chad Ryland uh, was taken out of Maryland in round four. Uh, the Packers took Anders Carlson in round six. The only three kickers were drafted. They have drafted Brady Breeze, Cole McDonald, and Luke Falk under I'm Mike Rabel. You. I hate um, you. Though, and here's the deal. Kickers I will say that, though they did better this year. Yes, yes. Maybe Colton Dow, you can kind of make an argument they could have got a kicker, but then all the top three kickers are off the board. So yeah, no. What I what when I say what I feel like again, it's not about like this particular battle. It's more just like I think Vrabel just thinks he can outsmart the entire NFL. Yeah, and the, on this particular position, and yet we still have this problem every single year, and every single kicker that gets drafted most of the time, because not very many of them get drafted. Most of the time, kickers who are good enough to be drafted end up playing for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And you could just you could have just solved the problem instead of taking Luke Falk or Cole McDonald or Brady Breeze or whoever. And like I guarantee you, like look, Evan McPherson drafted, like Sebastian Janikowski drafted, Mason Crosby drafted. Like the guys who play for a long time get Mason drafted. Crosby is just down the street in Franklin, by the way, or Brentwood, wherever. <laughs> I mean, he's living <laughs> true. I'm joking. He's like living in this area. So, and I know that apparently he doesn't want to retire. I think as last thing I read something about that, he's wanting to find it. I think that they're just, and I, I, I don't know. It's just a feeling that I have. It's just like, we're, we're still sorting through some financial stuff with Tannehill, Henry and Bayard. Let's, let's sort this out. Okay. That, that's fair. See, let's see what these guys got. These young guys got. And if we're not comfortable, we'll call fat Randy. We'll call Mason Crosby. We'll call whoever else is out there and bring him in for the competition as well. Um, all right. So you want me to do some like rapid fire stuff here? Um, uh, well, Ed Henry asks of the three quarterbacks, who's the most vocal? Um, it it's Ryan Tannehill. Will Will Levis is still very much learning, and Willis. So here's here's a quick observation about the quarterbacks. Um, I said Levis did not have a, a couple of he had a couple of bad uh, sessions where he did not throw the ball particularly well. A lot of it was just against air. 
Um, he they, they did a lot of the first half of practice. There were a lot of things where like two quarterbacks would go one th- one way and it would be Tannehill and Levis and they'd be doing a drill. And Willis would be kind of over somewhere else, like what felt like playing the role of like fill in quarterback scout team guy that was running a drill. And that was how it was broken up for most of the first half of practice. Levis gets into team fumbles on the first snap, just like he did in the in the last thing. And then Willis was put in basically with the second team. It felt like a little bit like, all right, Will. <laughs> yeah. Let, okay, you got to get the fumble thing down, and and if it's just the first snap and he's nervous, whatever, he's got to work through that. Um, so that's an observation. Xavier Newman Johnson was uh, snapping to him, if I remember correctly, yes. too, which yes. is also I don't think he played center last year or has a lot of, so that could just be as a, a center issue as well. Yes, yes, and and we couldn't even really tell whose fault it was on the snap, so yeah. it's not it's not anything to get worked up about. Um. I think Levis is clearly in, in learning mode. He does have a lot of conversations with a lot of players, especially receivers after throws. He made one deep throw during team where like McCreary was all over basically what amounts to a scout team receiver. I don't remember who the receiver was, but McCreary is just all over him. And that's one of, one of my observations is the young defensive backs uh, look really good. Like McCreary looks really good. I, I love Elijah Molden playing safety. I said it the day I saw him on the first day of the practice field. He is a safety. <laughs> he is a rolled up nickelback, high point safety. He's Antoine Winfield Jr. He is built like a safety. And the things you need to have to be a great safety, IQ, intangibles, and physicality. And that is, uh, he's got those two things in spades. Uh, he needs to be on the field in some way, shape, or form at all times. Mercury looks really good on the outside. Um, he looks like a bigger, stronger, more confident player, made a bunch of plays. Uh, I think all the second year players look much better than they did last year. This time, as expected, the free agents were very vocal. Uh, Weaver and Arden key both made a bunch of plays getting past offensive linemen. I don't know how it's hard to tell. Like when you're not wearing pads, like, are you really, you know, winning right. a one-on-one or not? Like, I don't, it's hard to really do much there. Um, but I, I don't know what other questions Spears Spears is at, like, I could see Tajay Spears being used as the slot receiver option, Kyle Phillips guy in either different formations or positionless football, right? Right. Like, I think those guys are going to be kind of interchangeable, and Spears is going to be a weapon on the team. I, he, he is. They, we said it since the day he was drafted. They are going to throw him the football. I said it since the day we went, we're going down the senior bowl. <laughs> like, like I have been on the Tajay Spears train for a while now. Any, any other questions about specific players you got? Anybody? No, I mean like Colton Dow. I mean, he's he's athletic, dude. Is, is he actually? Um, you know, is he? I guess I would say, if you're if you had to say today, Colton Dow racing with math, only one can make the team. <laughs> Who's making the team? If they were, uh, how about how about this? The fact that it's even a conversation for a third year player and a seventh round rookie is all you need to know. Yeah. I like it. And then uh, Chris Moore. Is, hey, better. Better than you think, dude. I've been telling you this the entire time. I, I have better don't, than you think. I don't have a particular problem with Chris Moore as your wide receiver for. I I won a fantasy game last year because of Chris Moore. So there's <laughs> nobody that's happier that or that knows what Chris Moore can do. Because he went on a big string there in fantasy football world for a while where he didn't get touchdowns, but he's getting a lot of yards. Um, he knows the offense and you yep. know, there's your vet. I know it's not the veteran. It's not like, I don't know, like Andre Johnson or Harry Douglas or something, but I mean, he's, the, he's the veteran presence that you need that can help explain to a really young pass catching group that has no experience in this offense, how to play this offense. I, and I don't yes, know. I, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not expecting Chris Moore to be a, you know, a 900 yard receiver. But you, what you are looking for is a, and we talked about this in football and other efforts is Traylon Burks to get like 1200 yards and another pass catcher of some sort to get seven, 800 yards. That's what this team needs. Chig. And then, yeah, Chig. it'll likely be Chig, kind of like what Delaney was. Uh, my, one question I, I have about the new offense for you, and I know we're running long here, so I want to let you go. But um, one of the things that this team has never really done ever, no matter who the head coach or coordinator is, is force feed somebody, quote unquote, in the passing game? They force feed. I guess they force feed Derrick Henry. Um, I 
I will be interested to see because their options are a little bit more limited because they don't have as many dynamic options, but the ones that they have might be pretty good. I wonder if we see some force feeding of Burks and Chig and, you know, whoever that third option may be, whether it's Phillips in the slot, whether it's Spears out of the backfield, whether it's, you know, whoever it might be, my guess is no, they're going to spread it around and there's like 40 targets for like six guys. But I'm curious if two dudes genuinely separate and have like a hundred targets each, you know, and be, and are actually force fed through this offense. I think a hundred targets will be pretty hard. Well, maybe not. So I'm looking at the stats from his first year's offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly and DeAndre Hopkins got 150 targets. Okay. I mean, obviously DeAndre Hopkins is a game changer, but let's say that if even if you took 50 of those targets away, that was 150. Will Fuller had 71. Duke Johnson, running back, kind of like Tajay Spears, 62. Very good pass catching running back. Kenny Stills, 55. Jordan Akins, 55. Darren Fells, 48. So that went wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, tight end, tight end. I don't know. I mean, like, if you take 50 away from DeAndre Hopkins and think that this team is going to, you know, do just 100 to Traylon Burks, uh, some of that's going to go elsewhere. I mean, yep. there was a lot of pass attempts. Of course, that year they were um, in pass attempts, but they were still just 20th in pass attempts um, in the NFL. They had 534 pass attempts, but he didn't have Derrick Henry. So, I mean, they, you, know, you got to had... think you got to think that 50 pass attempts for 150 for Traylon Burks is not realistic. More no, than no, likely, no. I no. would think 110 or something. And then there you go. I mean, I don't know. Just I'm just saying right there, there's three wide receivers, a running back, and two tight ends, which screams to me, yep. Traylon, NWI, Kyle Phillips, Chigakonkwo, Josh Wiley, J Spears. There's yep. your guys. Yeah. And and this team has had a 100-target player almost every year. Like A.J. Brown a couple of times. Corey Davis had like 112. Delaney Walker had 133. So maybe that answers some of my question about their willingness to go after the best guy. My, my issue is the second guy is always like 40 targets less. And I yeah. think there needs to be a second guy. I think to your point about the 1200 and like the 700, right? You, you need that. You need Traylon Burks to have about 110, but you need Chig to be at like 95 instead of like 60, like John New Smith was or Austin Hooper. You need those targets to be like 90. And, right. and then, and then you've got two guys that you can go to all the time. And, and if they've got that, then maybe that this group turns out to be okay. And I'm not willing to go better than okay. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group. Uh, make sure you sign up for the in crowd. Uh, write a review of the podcast of a, of a football show, whatever podcast app you're on. Please a write five the review. star review, by the way. I mean, hopefully, hopefully. Well, if it, listen, you ain't going if you if you ain't giving five stars. I'll go ahead and tell you that. That's true. If you write in the comments, hey, I would love to win this trip to go pick out Russell's Reserve Barrel pick from Sinkers Beverages. And it's attached to a one-star review. You're not going to win. You're right. Yeah. I, yeah, no I will shill for, for stars. There's no yeah. question about that. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody, for Kingston Group and Sinkers Beverages. Zach, make sure you read all of the stuff at, at uh, Stack in the Inbox, Football and Other Efforts, all the other great shows across the 440 Sports Network and Broadway Sports Media as well. We appreciate all you guys for hanging out in the comments. All of you, Tim, Elvin, Ed, Donnie, uh, D good Stony, however sober you are these days, we do appreciate all you guys. Truly, he's, he's sick right truly. now. He's drunk and he ha- had a too much at the Chinese buffet. Hot toddies, baby. Hot toddies is always a good way to get rid of the the, the the cold and flu with some whiskey and brandy. So there you go. Uh, otherwise, have a great weekend, everybody. No show on Monday. Make sure you come back on Thursday, and we'll tell you how to win those tickets. But you got to sign up to the in crowd and you got to re- leave a review. So Sinkers Beverages, folks. Have a great weekend. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.